Welcome back everybody, episode 36 of the Emerge podcast. Um, where am I going to go for here? Right, what I'm going to do is housekeeping <laughs> first. Hi, <laughs> pure absolute shite in this, Gav, man. <laughs> right, so housekeeping, thanks to everybody for listening. Um, thanks to everybody who likes, shares, comments, does all that pure lovely jubbly stuff. I'm looking down here because I've had to write it all down because I'm terrible at introducing all this. <laughs> so what I was going to mention is more people are listening in England than Scotland, which is absolutely disgraceful. Um, <laughs> so if you're from Scotland, hi, hi, share it. If, you if you're from Scotland, and you're right, you're right. <laughs> you need um, we're there because I've got another wee stat as well. The people who are listening haven't who haven't subscribed is astronomically just it's disgusting. Eighty percent. Hi, hi. Seventy-six point two percent who listen aren't subscribed. So can we change all that, please? Hi, just just press a button, man. I'm not asking you to go and walk 500 miles and then 500 more. <laughs> just press subscribe. Um, but look at Gav's jumper. Gav's when I love a jumper. Uh, we should have sent one out to our beautiful, handsome guest, Sebastian, but never. Uh, so not yet, one, not yet. And saying that, we've not got a store to, to sell the jumpers, so it's, it's kind of half your fault. So it's not your fault. You get them on it. I, I, I know, I know, I know. Actually, that's me just realising that. So we'll probably get you know something sorted in the background about that. Um, sponsors, yes, so. Sphere, McDonald, Hodge Media. I've got it. Smashed guys. it, Kenny. Smashed it. Smashed it. Brilliant. Uh, Brilliant. For all your photo restoration needs, be them a hundred year old, be them two hundred year old. Our man Steve. Got it covered. Easy hint, Gav. Hint, how good oh, is it? Tremendous. We need to actually get pictures. We should share pictures of that because the one that you've done with like, some of your family that are amazing. Oh, so good. Um, so, I, all your media needs, be it photos, be it videos, be it, I don't know, what else, Gav? What else? Anything <laughs> visual. Anything visual. Or audio. And audio. quite good with audio. Um, but anyway, so that's all that stuff taken care of. Sebastian Walls is our handsome. Look how handsome he is. If you're listening to this through audio, you hear his silky smooth voice as well. <laughs> so, Sebastian, you, you run the Art of Charisma website and your Art of Charisma on absolutely everything. Yep, Art of Charisma, Art of Charisma on Twitter, Art of Charisma on Instagram, Art of Charisma official on Facebook. You know, we're pretty much everywhere and we're, people are getting kind of sick of it. But don't worry. <laughs> it should be. That's what you want, isn't it? You want people to be flung in people's faces. That's what we need to get in there. We need to start doing that sort of thing. Putting it in people's See, faces. See, just before um, we dive into what you actually do, see when you said about your socials, what's your favourite platform? Just for, for in general. Great question, that. So I've been experimenting a little bit with TikTok, just been trying to get it out there. Mm. But unfortunately, I'm almost like the godfather how it keeps pulling me back in. And that platform is Instagram. I don't know what it is about it, but same. I can just spend hours and hours looking at things. And sometimes it pops images up in front of me that I have no idea that I liked. I'm like, oh my God, I want to see a, a pug riding a unicycle. God, I didn't know I even needed that in my life. But, you know, here we go. You do, man. Instagram is probably my, my favourite at the moment. Yeah. I think um, we spoke about it before, Kenny, on the podcast, but Twitter, like, I, I never really get involved in Twitter too much um, until we really started the podcast. And see, the, see, because it's so unfiltered, like you can literally put anything on it or see anything on it. News is the first to hit Twitter before anything and it's just aye, I, aye. I could that's become slowly becoming my favourite sort of go to like first thing in the morning oh check Twitter see what's happening in the world yeah no funny you should say that because I was actually speaking to someone about Twitter recently and anything that's live so like live tweeting of football matches or of political debates yeah. or whatever it is that's really 
its thing. You know, that's where you go for it, isn't it? Of course. Uh, and that was before we'd done a podcast on Thursday night, Gavin. Um, uh-huh. I, I went, oh, Rangers won 2 0, and he went on Twitter. And he went, oh, wow, did you see the goal? I'm like, no, I've not seen it. Went, yeah, it's there, on Twitter. And the game had finished like three minutes. <laughs> like, I know, I know. And they'd already found me the goal. It's incredible. But I think it's interesting how dif- different niches thrive on different platforms and th- some things that work with some. It, it can be a little bit of a minefield, uh-huh. uh, you know, but Twitter, Twitter is definitely good. You speak to my dad, he's mad on nutrition and fitness at the is moment. He? He's always on the, t- he's always saying, Sebastian, man, I'm on this Twitter. And I'm like, dad, I've not been Twitter since 2008, mate. You got to come to the party a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but I, 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 I find that it depending on what you're trying to obviously get out there or what you're trying to find. Mm. That's is where your social media is. Like my mum, pure Facebook. She shares dogs that are lost in Arizona somewhere. Like, <laughs> so, so, that's so that's true. Thing. If you want like to share dogs missing around the world, go to Facebook. Don't go to Twitter because you end up with the girl, like the girl for TikTok, who reads the mm. man tweets for Glasgow. Uh, that's what you'll end up being spoken about. But you will. TikTok, think- TikTok's so good because everything. I think everything's on TikTok. Apart from obviously live feeds, like you say, live feed yeah. is Twitter mm. probably the best place to be. If you're pretty, go to Instagram. Uh, that, <laughs> that's just for a laugh, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Aye. And the, the thing is, it's quite interesting because Lewis Capaldi, who's a bit of a local hero, he's kind of really made his name on TikTok. And he's, he was kind of, for a while there, covered as the prince of TikTok. The king, aye, the king of TikTok, aye, aye. Yeah, so it's aye. quite interesting how he's taken it on as well and how some celebrities are using it and businesses. It's, it's really interesting. But aye. yeah, I still think it's a long way to go, though. I think Instagram as well, like, I think a lot of people's go-to for Instagram is because people, especially in this sort of society, this day and age, see when you've got a visual, see when you don't need to read something and you just see a picture and it explains what you're actually seeing rather than a story on Facebook or on Twitter. I or think that's, that's what you're doing quite well just now because you're taking your videos from TikTok and posting them on Instagram. Because mm, it just yeah. saves people, it saves people reading a blurb. It's just such an effort on it. Who can be bothered Absolutely. reading blurbs anymore, man? I mean, go and read a book. If you want to read something, read a book. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that was a great wee segue. We're only about oh, a minute. Into it. <laughs> I, I know, I know. But for those of you listening, you should see like your beautiful jumpers. But it's just annoying how Sebastian's turned up like, in a three-piece suit. Like, no, listen. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, he's got he's got a beautiful white tee and a lovely, a lovely, lovely bomber jacket. Don't don't let him, you know, be modest about it. It's lovely. Listen, I'll sort you out, boys. Don't worry, man. Don't worry. We'll get him on. Nara, we'll get him on. We'll get him on. Is that is that is? All right. I thought it was a really proper. Like, it looks real good, man. It looks real good. Is that if part- see, see, if you were saying that to me in a bus stop, I'd probably be a bit intimidated. I'm, like, I'm going to get robbed. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, But anyway, right, so Sebastian's here to talk about that charisma. He's going to tell, tell us everything there is today about... So actually, he's going to tell us about the art of charisma on the website. But firstly, so what about you growing up? Where, where did you grow up? High school, how was that? Just, just general chat about you growing up. It's interesting, and if yeah, it's interesting, and to, just you know, skip it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it's really interesting that you started there because th- that's where the whole sort of charisma thing really began. So I'm originally from Alloa, and I joke that it's a little bit of a little bit of a ghetto because nobody knows where it is, but there's still a little bit. There's a bit of charm, but there's a little bit rough there, and I think that with a lot of schools in Scotland, you've got to be able to kind of almost handle yourself in the playground. I think growing uh-huh. up in Scotland, that you've got to be able to give the banter, you've got to be able to take the banter. 
And what I mean is that, so when I went to school in St. Modens, which is just outside Alloa, I used to look at kids who were always getting in trouble. There was kids who were like the naughty kids of the class. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put my hands up, Kenny. I was probably a little bit of a goody two-shoes. You know, my homework was always in on time. Nice. I could always good, handle good. myself in the playground. You know, when kids were making fun of me on the football pitch or something, I could always have something quick to say back at them. But there was kids who always got into trouble and I, I could never understand how they could always talk their way out of situations. So you'll probably see this, you know, you'll look back and go, you know what? I would say something in class and then I'd get detention or I'd get pulled up by a teacher. But then if so-and-so said something, you know, nothing would happen. And this used to always sort of play on my mind. Like, why, why is it that some kids could just somehow get away with murder and there was other kids that always got pulled under? And that's where the sort of idea about, well, there's obviously something around about people liking certain people, people having influence over others sort of began. And it was really as early as that where I would see things. And then I grew up, I had, I went through numerous of different jobs. Um, I didn't go to university. I uh, started working in the BBC. I wanted to become a presenter on television. And then Jimmy Savile happened. And then I thought, no, I can't even do it. No, no, jump ship, man, definitely. <laughs> My friends wouldn't let me have it. I couldn't be <laughs> aggro, to be honest with you. How did, how did you end up in the BBC? So I got a, an apprenticeship. So in that transition period of going from high school to the BBC, there was basically a call out of, we're looking for people who were wanting to work in television, but want to get a qualification at the end and wanted to you know, earn a little bit of money at the same time. You know, one of the things I did quite well growing up is I always had the confidence to go against the grain. So when people were, you know, listening to, you know, house music, I was listening to hip hop. When people were doing drama class, I was doing comedy. When people were going to university, I was getting an apprenticeship. And so that's something I would always recommend to someone is that just have the confidence to sometimes go against the grain when things are happening. So that was literally just through a application process. And I got a, a year at the BBC of, going around all the departments from everything from, you know, religious radio to news, to comedy, to children's, a little bit of everything. And um, that kind of really, I kind of really learned, learned to hone my sort of skill of talking to people, how people tick, you know, understanding what works on camera yeah. and things like that. So that's I think yeah. it's, quite in, it's quite interesting you say you go against the grain, right? Because I, I, I'm quite a firm believer in, especially in Scotland or especially in Glasgow maybe, um, you're almost scared to do something different because you think people are just going to take the piss and they won't take you seriously. And I've seen, I've seen quite a lot of like actors and stuff. And one of the, the, the people we had on recently, Darren Connell, he's a comedian and an actor. Um, and he was talking about how he's missed a lot of opportunities because he's a Glaswegian actor, he's a Scottish actor. And people almost kind of look down at it and do this and that. But I think what you're saying, going against the grain, like even something like this for us, before we started this, it's your thought of going on to a, platform and speaking to a camera to me was terrifying but then once you get your head on it and you actually do it it's it's fine you know what i mean it's it makes you more a lot more confident and whatever so i 100%. yeah so, and look at you now like you guys have got a great platform you're talking completely effortlessly dare i say charismatic as well <laughs> uh, <laughs> nice smooth talker yeah <laughs> uh, the thing is is that it doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen going from you know the confidence to say stuff you guys i'm off to do this you know, it doesn't happen overnight. So I would recommend anyone do small changes. So when someone asks you, you know, where do you want to go? You know, you're going out for to pub. Where do you fancy going out tonight? You know, don't answer. I don't mind. I don't know. You know, get, say something with conviction and have an opinion about something. Yeah. Uh, and that's just a small way to start practicing, you know, just, just going against the grain. So when someone says, I fancy going here, 
and then you say, well, I fancy trying this new place. You know, nine times out of ten, they'll go, yeah, fine, go on then. And just build that up and make bigger and bigger decisions about going against the grain. And eventually you'll find yourself confidently doing things. Yeah. You don't necessarily need to jump in with both feet right at the beginning. 100%. What age did you leave school at, Sebastian? Were you, did you stay all the way till sixth year or did you leave quite early? Uh, I left at 17 uh, purely because, um, for me personally, school was just such a challenge. You know, I didn't really... Um, I since I went to school in Stirling, which is just outside Alloa, but I was originally from the town. I constantly felt like a bit of an outsider, so I always had to kind of use these skills of trying to be the funny guy in the classroom or be the loudest or the class clown and and do all those sort of things, just to really get noticed and to be accepted in some of the the popular kids' groups. Uh-huh. Yeah. I always kind of described ourselves as a little bit of like the in betweeners. You know, we didn't really fit the washers. We didn't quite fit with the, the the good kids that were good at football. Yeah. But we were always ones that we had the best house parties and we always had the most laughs. So we had that to us. Um, mm-hmm. But that's, that was kind of like a little bit of my story. Exactly. And, uh, and so I did the, 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 the BBC for a numerous of, a couple of years, about two years. In that time, I moved down to Manchester and spent a couple of years working in children's, children's comedy, children's entertainment, which was lots of fun. And eventually at that point, I thought, you know what, I've got a bit of a, got, I've got enough chat here. I've got enough chat here. Perhaps I can make a little bit of money at this. So then I transitioned into working in sales and I worked for, I knew I wasn't going to work in sort of cold calling, you know, in, the, in a call center. Yeah. And that wasn't really up for me. So I decided to work in the motor trade, selling cars. And I thought, well, if I'm going to sell cars. I want to sell the best in the world. So I went to Mercedes Benz and to sell cars with them. But the story of me getting that job was so interesting because I had no experience in sales, no experience in anything. And I just walked into the dealership with my full suit on and I walked up to the receptionist and I said, I'm here for an interview and with the sales manager. And she said, the sales manager's got nothing in his diary for an interview today, pal. You must be joking. Mm-hmm. I said, listen, I've just got off the phone with them. You're going to have to speak to them and say that I'm here. And she goes, oh, sorry, sorry gets on the phone and goes, hi, Dave. Yeah, yeah, I've got Sebastian here for an interview. No, I know you've got nothing in the diary, but, um, but he's, you know, he's here. He's adamant that you spoke to him. And then she puts the phone down. She goes, he'll be with you in a minute. <laughs> I sat down and then this geezer, I swear to God, this guy was like Dwayne Rock Johnson. This guy was <laughs> unit. And I thought, God, oh. I've, I've done here. I completely blagged my way into this. I can't believe this is happening. And he walks up to me and goes, listen, pal, I've got nothing talking about an interview, what are you doing here? And I said, look, I'm so sorry. I was actually, as soon as she said your name on the phone, I realized I'm in actually the wrong place, but I do have an interview. But listen, just while I've got you here, do you mind if I have a couple of 20, 30 minutes of your time just to talk to you about what I'm... And then from that, we had a discussion, had a chat, and he goes, listen, it takes balls to do something like that. You're going to come back for an interview. I got an interview, and unfortunately enough, I got into the job, and um, I was there for several years, you know, selling, you know, top, top-end cars, in the end, I sold over a million pounds worth of vehicles in the time that I was there. So, so huge, huge numbers. Um, and from there, you know, I, I did lots of odd jobs in sales, working in advertising, things like that. And then I, um, I bounced back to, to Edinburgh. I kind of had a sort of quarter life crisis where I was like, quarter life. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was working in You're with how many years you're going to live, aren't you? <laughs> I'm going to live, live hard by young types. Do you know what I mean? Just go for and, uh, and then fr- from there, I, uh, I, started, I came back to Scotland and I was revaluing myself and I, I managed to get a job in, in Edinburgh. But while I was in Edinburgh, I started running uh, social events for millennials. 
So it was all about people who didn't know anyone who maybe perhaps had, went to uni university in Edinburgh, but their friends had moved on or, you know, guys that had worked in finance down in London and relocated to Edinburgh, didn't know anyone and they were looking for a party. And if looking for a party, I was holding it. So I had this sort of networking social event for millennials. And within the first sort of month, we had 200 members. Within the last six months, we had 600 members. And at the peak of it, you know, we were set, we were like having like a hundred people show up to these events where people would just literally, people didn't know anyone and they would just socialize with themselves. So you can imagine, you know, Gav, if you didn't know anyone and you were saying, all right, you need to be in revolution at eight o'clock and there's going to be a hundred other people there for you to, to speak to. Sometimes people would go, well, what the heck is this yeah. all about? <laughs> but actually there was something quite warm about not knowing anyone you didn't know you didn't need to see these people ever again you can kind of be yourself let your guard down talk to uh -huh. people about anything and everything and so that's one of the reasons why they, they worked quite well um the idea for them came from the fact that i wanted to go to a gig in edinburgh i wanted to go to a hip-hop gig but nobody nobody wanted to come with me and so i ended up not going because i couldn't i didn't want to go to a gig myself so that's where the idea came from i thought well, i need to start building a social life here i need to start like getting out there, speaking to people. And it's a bit cheesy when you say to people, I want to start making friends. Oh, but, you know, aye, aye. in high school, you know, that it was easy. You had karate class, you had PE, you had subjects that you're interested in. But when you get older, after university, how do you actually make friends? Like, how do you meet people? Uh, how, how does that go about? Like, what do you do? Just get in touch with loads of pubs, go to unis, get people's emails, email them saying there's a, a party or a social event, and then well, the get them to turn up. Yeah, it was, it was quite interesting because when I was in Edinburgh, I got really au fait with the app Meetup. Oh, au fait? Yeah. You see au fait? Au fait. I got really familiar. Mm. got really familiar very with fancy. Nice <laughs> <laughs> very familiar with that. <laughs> and so what I do was when I was looking at the, what was going on in Scotland at the time, um, there was lots of, you know, over 50s hill walking and lots of book clubs and lots of... Uh, things like that, which there's nothing wrong with those sort of hobbies and interests. However, for young people, what is there that is sexy, that's attractive, that's uh -huh. going to get people, you know, juiced up, where there's going to be good-looking guys, good-looking girls, a bit of chat, a bit of banter, and that they're mm -hmm. going to have a really good night. You know, there wasn't really anything. There was many things happening within the student circle. So if you had a group of friends, there was plenty of stuff to go to. However, if you know no one, then there wasn't that much. You know, you might go to a pub, you might join a five-a-side club, but outside that, there's, there's not really much there. So, much going on. Yeah, so that's what I built up. And then Facebook groups was a great way to do that. And then from there, we started doing things like bring a friend, you know, and then we started partnering up with other groups because we became a little bit infamous. You know, we were known as the, like, the naughty kids in the playground. <laughs> and so people were like, what, what, what are these guys doing over here? What are they doing different? And so we said, listen, come join us. You know, bring your group over here and we can make it bigger and make it better. 100%. So, see when we're talking about charisma, right, this is probably the big question is, what is charisma? So, like, for me, the, the way you're talking and stuff like that, that just, that just comes across as confident and you, you know what you're saying and know that you've researched it, but you, you, you know where you're going with the conversation and each way you can go, you can link conversations, you can talk effortlessly. So, what, what would you say is the definition of charisma? Well, that's, Ooh, great what, what, question. Is that what you would say, Gav? Is that what you would say <laughs> the definition of charisma? I, I don't, I don't know. Is the honest answer? But like from what, from what I took about when when Kerry was obviously was speaking about you coming on, is what do we think it is? What is charisma? And then I was going to say, like, I, I think it's 
it's confident. I don't really know, but in my opinion, it's like having the confidence to be something different or be yourself and not have to worry about it. And like the way you strike conversations, the way the conversations can flow and how to link everything together. And, and just, if you don't know something, like for example, like, I don't know, like, and then, but, but find a way to, to say it without saying, I don't know. You would maybe know, link it in with something else or whatever. Mm. Maybe, I, I, don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe I've no Googled this, by the way, I'm just sitting. No, 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 by all means. I was <laughs> thinking, like, it sounds, I, I, my definition probably the same as yours, but then when you're saying about the whole confidence and, and no, if you, rather than saying you don't know, I would mm-hmm. be, well, I would say, I don't know what that is. What is that? Can you tell me? Like, mm. rather than trying to bullshit it, you just be honest. Yeah. Go, I don't know. Can Can you tell me what that is? So then you kind of... Uh, it does honest. depend. It does depend on the circumstance. Is charisma, charisma and charismatic the same thing also? Is, mm. it, is it the same thing? It is... Yeah, so it's so interesting, the fact that charisma has for years had this sort of enigma around it. The fact that nobody can quite describe what it is uh-huh. but 100% if I put two people in front of you you'd be able to identify a person that has charisma and a person that doesn't for example when we see people on television and celebrities we can see people who are famously charismatic the likes of you know the Will Smiths uh, you know and things like that and then if you look at perhaps some footballers like maybe like an Arsene Wenger or something like that you can tell that he lacks in charisma so even though we can't describe it, it's really fascinating the fact that we can tell that somebody has charisma and somebody doesn't. And um, through when I was starting this all up, it's really interesting because the Greeks described charisma as a divine gift, you know, something that was just almost like this supernatural sort uh-huh. of thing. <laughs> charisma is a skill. That's ultimately what it is. It's a, it's a skill. It's under the same umbrella as influence, being able to influence and persuade someone into your way of thinking. Now, charisma has 100% had a little bit of a bad rap through, you know, notorious people throughout history who have been evil, but have also been charismatic. But charisma, like power, money, it can be used for good, it can be used for bad. Because equally, we have, you know, infamously nice people who are charismatic, the likes of, you know, uh, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, all these sort of people that have made such great impact on the world. Um, For me... The real science of it is, is an individual who is able to release another individual's dopamine through just speaking, through just being there. And dopamine is a chemical in everyone's mm-hmm. brain that is released. It's released when you eat chocolate. It's released when you're having a good time. You're doing things that you enjoy. If someone's able to tap into that and release it for someone else without them knowing, that's ultimately the, the crux of charisma. And that's why it's such a skill. It's not really this innate, abnormal, superstitious thing. It's funny when you're saying, like, um, <clears throat> you gave some examples have, there about... I would have had a drink after saying all that. That, that was pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's funny, it's funny what you're saying there about um, the individuals that you'd mentioned, because when you think about presenters or comedians, and I'm not saying every comedian has to be charismatic, because you get some kind of introverted comedians that are just naturally quite funny, but see people like Keith Lemon, or we had, like, Des Clark. These guys yeah. can, uh, they can go in, they can, they, you can go into a room and start speaking and just... You don't, even though you don't know what you're going to say, you just all of a sudden just come out with these words and it just all links together. And it's interesting because it's probably pretty much impossible to be like a presenter or a certain type of show and not be charismatic. Mm, absolutely. So, yeah. Well, it's see, interesting that... On you go, go, on, on you go. No, no, no. Come on. <laughs> go. Go, <do> it. <laughs> go. Uh, what go I was going to just, just time in there is that 
yes, it is, it is interesting there about you said they're introverted, but just to be charismatic, you do not necessarily need to be the loudest, gracious, biggest personality in the room. Introvert has their own unique style of charisma and extrovert has their unique style of charisma. And there is actually a personality in the middle and being able to identify which one and which people are which it is, it is a ties into charisma. But you're 100% right. There's people that just walk into a room and you go, I want to know them. And there's people that walk into a room and go, meh. I've, I, me, myself, I've shaken hands with people. I said, lovely to meet you. And they go, we've met before. And I've gone, yeah. And sometimes it's thinking, did I forget them? Did they do this? Did I, well, well, I'm a bit embarrassed. But sometimes it's like some people just do not make an impression uh-huh. when they walk in. Uh-huh. Yeah. I was, uh, when you were talking, Gav, about like Keith Lemon, like, uh, I would say like, Sir Alex Ferguson's quite a, a charismatic person. Like, I read David Beckham's book and there's times where he would walk into a room, wouldn't see anything, just sit down. He would read the match day programme, but everybody knew he was there. He's got an aura. Everybody, I, I, there's this energy about him that or you, you know him that well that yeah. you, just him being in the room just changes the tone. Um, there was a game they were losing, I think the Champions League they were losing 2 1. He came in at half time, sat down, had a wee bit of orange, a wee bit of water, <laughs> and said to everybody, Do you know what you've done wrong? Like, all I want you to do is just go out, just enjoy it, try and press the play, try and put the game forward, put it on them. And they were out in the one three two, and that was all I said at half time. Like, just that person having that energy and just having that much influence mm-hmm. in a person seems to be quite charismatic to be in it. Like, because he could be both extrovert and introvert. Like, he hit David Beckham in the forehead with a boot. Like, he can be quite <laughs> out there. So, you could be both. In a it's, way. Funny, uh, it's funny you say that because, see, me you think about if you're related to a, a job, just a, any job. So, you'll probably say this as well, Sebastian. Like, you'll work for certain bosses more than you work for others. And I think that charisma's probably got a lot to do with that because, and not just to say charisma, like you said, isn't just being out there and being this and that. It's, it's a lot more, but there's definitely been bosses that I may go an extra mile for and bosses that I'm like, nah. You know 100%. 100%. And it's so interesting you made the comparison of Keith Lemon, who is, I would say, you know, the most out there, wild geezer going. And in mm-hmm. Sir Alex Ferguson, who I would say, Definitely 100% can to agree with it. it. Has that aura, has that leadership, but it still is, but it, it, would, it would still come under the, the umbrella of charisma. So it's really interesting, but they would probably be on both separate ends of the spectrum. Uh-huh. And I 100% agree with you, Gavin. That the fact is that there's sometimes I look at, you know, in my career, I've looked at people and I'm going, how the heck have you gotten into that job there? Because you don't know what you're talking about. You're not very experienced and blah, blah. Because at some point, somewhere down the line, somebody liked them. Yeah. And some of the stuff that we've been trying is that, in fact, is if you look at footballers, <laughs> athletes, and, and you, you, know, you put it back to you know, the girl in Starbucks that's working for five pounds an hour, <laughs> is she really going to go above and beyond the call of duty, really give that 100% experience for five pounds an hour? She's probably not. If I'm mm. going to be honest, because none of us yeah. would. Yeah. However, if she likes her boss, if she likes where she's working, if she gets on with her colleagues, that completely changes the game. And that's why when we put it back to Sir Alex Ferguson, you know, the likes of Rio Ferdinand and Roy Keane all played for each other. is because there was this kind of huge aura of charisma, to be yeah. honest with and that's but, how man you have been pure pants since you left. I know. Since night, <laughs> and I, I doubled off. I was like, come on, Ollie. Come on. <laughs> so, Do you like football? Do you like football? 
Sebastian. Yeah, well, it's interesting there because one of the things that I really kind of sparked this was that I was actually studying athletes, just athletes in general, because what I was fascinated by was that A, the UK's fascination with people who are like Premier League footballers, Olympians, why we have yeah. them as role models and things like that. But more importantly, why is it that when a footballer, for example, takes part in a scandal, you know, he's been cheating on his missus or he's been caught partying, that it all kind of blows over a little bit. We'll, we'll kind of seem to forgive them. And why is it that they forgive them? And I was studying here. And actually, one of the things that I was researching was regarding of like cycling teams in the Tour de France. And that mm -hmm. the fact is, since there's these athletes, they bring a certain amount of commercial opportunity. So advertisers pay to be associated, be next to it, or have their logo on them. And with a cycling team, that, that's a huge, huge you know, benefit to them. Mm -hmm. Now, the interesting thing is that what the research found is that when a cycling team was part of a doping scandal, the credibility of the brand that was associated with them was not affected one bit. And a doping scandal for me is like the, the peak of, oh, you know, it's really, it's, 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 it's just cheating. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> what is it about these athletes that they can just get away with it? And actually, the, what the ethos <clears throat> was, was actually down to the charisma. So when we look back at people who have gotten, you know, for example, Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods for years was the dude, was the geezer. And if you go speak to my nan, for example, she loves Tiger Woods, couldn't do no oh. wrong. You know, I pull up and I say, you know, you know, he was caught doing this and that and the next thing. She goes, no, nah, doesn't matter. Tiger's Tiger. Tiger's Tiger. Tiger's Tiger. Right, Tiger's Tiger and he wears red on a Sunday. So. Yeah. <laughs> we have these people we idolize. And just what is it about them? Why is it that? And athletes are a great example of that. Sir Alex Ferguson, immense leadership. You know, real Ferdinand, you can argue Frank Lampard. Uh, for me, I was, big, I was a big boxing fan. So likes of Tyson Fury, hugely charismatic guy. Hugely. See, even like his career itself can be like the definition of charisma. Like before mm. he ended up winning it, before he beat like... Uh, Man, I wish I never started this motion. Who'd they beat? Who'd they beat? Deontay uh, Wilder. You beat Deontay Wilder. No, before that, to win the World Championship, before they went down a big spiral. Oh, and, um, the German. Oh, yeah. Klitschko. Klitschko. When he beat Klitschko, he said before it, he said, when I beat him, it's me, I've completed it. Like, yeah. And to go in that big downward spiral, to come back, to beat Deontay Wilder, twice in my opinion, but who am I? Um, oh, yeah. it's, a, it's like the definition of like, maybe charisma in itself, because he's so humble, he's so mm. honest, he's so open, he just doesn't, yeah. he, he doesn't hide anything. To be that open and honest, like, it takes a lot. <laughs> yeah. I think one of the things that ties into him on the programme I do is talk about is vulnerability. Like, it's actually not a bad thing. Some people always get a bit caught up about showing a side to them that's like not as, you know, bad, like, you know, something that uh -huh. might be uh -huh. something that's like not great. However, sometimes being a bit more upfront you know, vulnerable comes across so authentic. We look at yeah. Tyson Fury, you know, that is that's him. Like, there's no agenda there. That is the geezer. Yeah, no, oh, you're so right. you talk about um, like sports personalities specifically, if you look at someone like Marcus Rashford recently, mm. see when you when you see him in like interviews and stuff like that, he is quite you know reserved and whatever. But then it must take some sort of charisma, confidence to go and run this campaign for the whole of England to get free school. Um, preschool meals for kids. For kids. Do you know uh, what I mean? And it's like, uh, it's, it's, so, it's so funny when you, when you actually start thinking about it and I probably didn't think about it as much until 
we'd having this conversation. Aye, the, way, the way he's handled yourself in the aye, media, it's, it's, been, it's, it's been interviewed okay. by everybody. <clears throat> everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, who, else, who else do you think is charismatic? And the, what about politicians? Why do they get away with everything as well? Because I don't think they're charismatic, and they're assholes. <laughs> they, honestly, I, do, I just don't agree with now, Kenny. We're aye, aye. Why, Boris jo- <laughs> why is Boris Johnson still get a job? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you know, there's loads of things, and humans are fantastic, you know, complex creatures. But the other thing is, is that, like computers, we can be hacked, and there's uh-huh. little nuances and little things that politicians do that work, that get people riled up, and get people to like you, you know, for uh-huh. example, you know, Donald Trump has been an infamous, oh. I know he gets on the fence quite a lot where you like him or love him or loathe him or whatever, but the people who do like him are like rock solid, cannot change my mind, he is the dude. And uh-huh. a lot of it isn't based around what his policies are, it's about him as a person. Have you seen the social media uh, and uh, the dilemma. social dilemma and the, the great hack? Have you seen them? No, go tell me more. Oh, it's just that like, Donald Trump is Donald Trump. He's he's marmite. You love him or hate him. Um, mm. Me personally, I find him quite funny. I think he's like a TV show. I don't think it's real, <laughs> real life. And because um, we don't so, live in America, eh? Uh-huh. Yes. So the 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 great hacks all about how they got him into office, and it's all about Cambridge Analytica, mm. and how they had so many um, what was it called? They called it touch points on everybody in America. So they knew everything you clicked into, everything you liked, disliked, every all your friends. And I don't know if you remember Facebook when it was kind of just becoming very mainstream. They used to have like wee quizzes. Mm-hmm. And it'd be like, what's your personality? Take this quiz. Yeah. So Facebook had all that information. Cambridge Analytica came up with that quiz. So they were getting all that information. So when it came to Donald Trump's campaign, Cambridge Analytica could send you personalized ads to like Donald Trump. And it all sends you ads to dislike Hillary Clinton. Yeah. And that's... So only, he only won his presidency by 70,000 votes in one state, purely by t- targeted ads, whether to yeah. li- like or dislike Trump or Clinton. So that, that's, you could watch it. Uh, you watch him. Absolutely. <laughs> but then the thing is that it ties into it is the fact that, back to what we're saying, but charisma is about releasing an individual's dopamine. Uh-huh. You know, so they've obviously tied into that. They know what people love and they know what people hate. So they uh-huh. can actually tailor something around to just release dopamine all day, every day. And as humans, we always go for what we like, what releases this chemical. We don't think, oh, it's releasing this chemical. Let's go for this. But naturally, we do things we like. We hang around people we like and we uh-huh. watch things that we like and we always go back to it. That's why people binge watch Netflix series over and over again, even though uh-huh. I've Goes I over so do that, man. Because it releases, and we like it, even though we know what's going to happen, and we know what's oh, the anticipation's all gone. It's all about releasing this thing. So, it's, if you can understand that, you when you go into a conversation and you're trying to win someone over in a job, or you know, trying to get someone to your way of thinking, you can actually put that at the forefront. Go, what am I going to do, say, or oh no, you froze. Whatever <laughs> to release this person's dopamine, and then you can start like playing. <laughs> you're fine you're fine you're back you froze for a wee minute yeah, so I tell him come as, as the master so oh sorry sorry <laughs> no, you're fine you're fine yeah. now you're fine now so um, one thing I was going to uh, kind of mention or bring up was you obviously do a lot of studying uh, and the way people act and, and speak and how they come across and whatever but see, see people like motivational speakers or not even motivational speakers but we, we were watching um, 
I love Matthew McConaughey, right? He's so, you've got so such cute. a man crush, man. He is unbelievable, <laughs> though. Have, have I? He is amazing. I'm going to lie. podcast literally the other day, wasn't he? Uh, it was. That's why I, I brought it up to Kenny and I said that Matthew McConaughey was on. And I started watching, I watched about half an hour of it last night um, before I went to bed. And he's just amazing. But Kenny showed me a video that I'd never seen before. And it was a, it was an acceptance speech when he won an Oscar. Or, um, but see, see these guys that like, motivational speakers and stuff do you study everything like that because from what i can see obviously i'm not the expert you are so i just mm. see these sort of people as um the, the, what i say here is that the sort of art of charisma has been able to just come out with something that you uh, uh, do you know what i'm trying to say <laughs> i'm yeah. absolutely picture this here. the difference is so what, what the things that i study is that is an element of psychology Mm-hmm. But there's also an element of the people that I look at are successful people. What's made them successful? Why have they been able to get in the positions they are? And so there's a degree of like celebrities yeah. that we do study and because they're the easiest to look at. For example, a lot of what we look at is Will Smith, an infamously charismatic, <laughs> these sort of geezers. What are they doing, saying, whatever that we can actually take and apply them to our own lives and see how that sort of works? in that respect. So there's a degree of looking at celebrities. But the reason why it's not always good to look at motivational speakers, just necessarily because of the personality types, because sometimes it's quite easy to think that to be charismatic, I have to be the funny guy, or I have to be the loudest guy, or have the best whatever. But actually, there's introverts who can be immensely charismatic. We're talking about, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson. Sir Alex I don't think was the funny guy of the the dressing room, but was, was a charismatic dude. And then you have the extrovert, the Keith Lemon, you know, infamously out there world guy. And then you even have the people in the middle who are like the amp, which are known as ambiverts, the people who are who are who are extrovert in some situations and then introverted in other situations. And so everybody has this different personality type. So, you know, when we're having to come up with a, a program, it's it's really good to tailor it to someone because the thing, the key thing about charisma is being authentic. And sometimes like the motivational, you know, sort of almost like pyramid scheme sort of sellers, it does come across as a bit inauthentic. Mm-hmm. And what I'm trying to teach is like, it's a way of being authentic, being a bit true to yourself about what works for you, what you feel comfortable doing, and then trying it around that sort of so way. So you said like, um, in different situations, would you, do you mean like, so take, say for, for example, Sir Alex Ferguson, he would never walk into a room, uh, you know, a dinner of 200 people and be the oldest person there. But he walks into a changing room and he's, he's confident in what he knows. And is that why, do you think, that they're, they're kind of different? Yeah, so confidence is a really interesting part because what we believe is the fact is that confidence doesn't come overnight. Very similar to what we were saying right at the beginning is that confidence comes when you get competent at something. So when you get good at something, the yeah. more confident you become. So for example, if you feel nervous when you walk into a room of 200 people, that's you're not very competent that you don't do it that often so what we recommend is actually doing it on a such a smaller scale start doing it in front of you know so Alex Ferguson was not started walking into rooms of 200 people he started doing it in front of five people then 10 people then and then worked his way up to 200 people and then when he worked in front of 11 players in front of him it was easy you know Mm. So it's about working that in. So it's the same in a social situation. A lot of people get social anxiety. You know, the thought of going to uh, a gig or the thought of going to a pub crawl or something like that just kind of, you know, makes them shut down. You know, don't just jump in straight away. It's about working your way up to that. So, you know, start off small and then start building up. 
I found that the person I was before I went to college is totally different for the person I was two days That's after right, college. Yeah. You spoke that, about that, I, I, I was like, right, I've got an opportunity here to just be whoever I want to be because the, the people in this room don't know me. But there was one guy, one guy, Scott Dunny, Dunny, Gavin, Gavin, Dunny. That's why I call him Dunny because he's got done. Um, I was like, he went to my high school. I know he went to my high school. And I was very shy, very reserved, very, um, I, I was just a pure introvert just because I didn't know anybody. Um, so I was like, oh, he's going to know who I am. And I thought, nah, I just need to, be, I just want to be upbeat, outgoing, um, the kind of popular guy in the room. Mm. And that's what I kind of, didn't impose it on everybody but I was just like I'm going to be quite loud I'm, and I'm going to be open I'm going to be like, funny, talkative and uh, I, it kind of worked for me it definitely like, people did like me I was the class rep <laughs> 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 but nah, I, like, I do think it's a state of mind like, it's not just some, like you said it's not something that happens overnight I just seen this opportunity to become somebody different, and I thought, oh, I just gotta take it. Just gotta, just, uh, I was a bit older. I wasn't a twelve-year-old kid. Uh, like, I think it was nineteen. Was I twenty? Maybe I was twenty. It's funny you say that because I, like, I could never imagine Kenny as being an introvert or like being shy. Or uh, obviously, you've just take, you've taken this new kind of lease of life and ran with it because uh, it's you. That's probably who you actually are, and know this shy guy. I, I, I didn't have uh, the, the opportunity to to be that person. I, you're right. I, I always believe this. confident uh yeah. it's funny because that like when you were talking about it the, the first thing i was kind of thinking was like in work so i, I work in sales as well and, and and basically like if i moved to a new sales job or a new when i maybe became the sales manager as such you see that there's a like but see once you know like i could walk in and, and they could ask me pretty much any question and i would know the answer so <clears throat> going into work like i don't feel in the slightest bit that you know, I shouldn't be here, or I shouldn't be in this position, or what. But it's really interesting because it's so it's so true. Yeah, and the better you get at something, the more confident you become at that particular thing. And so sales, because salespeople, were, oh, I put us in the same campus footballers, we're like precious, we've got, you know, big egos and we've got to like be handled with care and things like that. But when you're going from it, especially in sales jobs, when you've gone from selling a large amount and you've been like the dude, and you've gone to a new job and you don't know the product, you don't know the customers, you don't know anything. You're like, I've gone from hero to zero here. Yeah. What's happened? And, it, and then it takes time to, to sort of build that up there. I actually got a, an example of that. So I, I'd left, I'd left um, the gym for a year um, mm. to go and try. I basically knew a guy um, who was a recruitment manager in Glasgow. Okay. And, uh, and I'd got in contact with him and he'd offered me a, a recruitment consultant job. And I thought, do you want me to go try this? So see, see walking in from being the sales manager to being a recruitment associate. I wasn't even a consultant. I was like an associate. So, okay. Yes, yeah, so you were the guy helping the guy. I so I was like starting from the very, very bottom. Started I'm still doing the job. The bottom. Now we're <laughs> nowhere. <laughs> um, and, and we're still there. <laughs> but, uh, but like I remember walking in and I'm used to being on the phone to people. I'm used to seeing people face to face and whatever. But I remember like first couple of days, you know, it was all like kind of training and stuff like that. And then it was it came to a point where I had to contact somebody and ask if they needed staff 
And I remember like going on the phone thinking, oh, I can't be fine, I'm on the phone. And then she, like, they started, I, I basically was recruiting for like, um, it was PVG candidates, so people had disclosure checks for like care homes, and it was all catering uh, people, so like chefs. So I remember like the first phone call, speaking to her, and she was like, oh yeah, we need somebody in this state and this state, because they were already a client. And she said like, I need a, a CDP, right? And I was like, what the fuck is a CDP? <laughs> right? And it was a, it was a chef. Oh, I it was a chef to party, but I never knew that at the time. And I remember coming off that call thinking, "Oh my god, like I'm so uncomfortable right now." And it, <laughs> I would have just went, "I that's no <laughs> <laughs> I know you would have. <laughs> hey, many do you want? I've, I've got four sitting here now. Already, already to go. <laughs> I didn't even know she was talking about chefs or she was talking about fucking aprons. She could have been talking about anything. anything and I'd have been like, just quite popular, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but it's funny because I've actually experienced it. You know, like going from being somebody who knew pretty much everything about the job to then going into something new and thinking, oh, "Am I an old my head here?" But is that is that your worst experience for that sort of situation, Gav? But not own something, or I just not own something and depend being uncomfortable. But is that your worst experience? Probably, I probably say it is because because of where I had been and then where I'd went to. Uh, Not that it was bliss, but. It was just, just a, bit a total strange. different field. Aye, just it, just, different, it, aye. it brought me in my comfort zone so much. Um, but aye, that's probably what I would say. Wish what about you? What about you, Sebastian? <laughs> What's was your most uncomfortable moment? Oh, you, how long have you got, man? I've had. <laughs> and the reason why I've got into this is because I've had years of putting my foot in my mouth, years of doing it wrong, that now I can understand mm-hmm. how to go about it somewhat right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had some really good, when I was, um, I don't know why I didn't say this again, but when I was 15, I was Scotland's youngest stand-up comedian. I thought I was the funniest geezer going. And oh, I've nice. had many bombs on stage where I thought I was funny and had didn't have the foggiest clue. I've had that. I've been in nightclubs trying to chat at birds, completely <laughs> rock out. And then I've been in jobs where I've completely blagged my way into a job like the Mercedes, and then for the first couple of weeks, I've gone, oh my God, they're going to yeah. see me here. What is going on here? So it's it's happened many, many times for me to uh, What about but, you, Kenny? <laughs> yeah, oh, Kenny, come on. The, hey, so, so obviously I've, I've been travelling that. Everybody who's listened to the podcast knows <coughs> that. So me, me and my mate Keezy only had a week's worth of money. Um, so we needed jobs, and we ended up going to this... Um, was that a sales kind of guy? Aye, they sold timeshares, right? So you had to get people to set up <laughs> meetings. To... Wall Street, Kenny. Ah, that's what it was, aye. <laughs> so we had penny, had penny stocks, and I said, <laughs> sell me this pen. No, like, um, so what it was, it was like a scratch card thing, right? So you had to set a criteria. So you had a criteria of, like, they had to be a family, they had to be on holiday, they had to have, you know, they looked like they had a bit of money. And you go, do you like a free scratch card? And you knew if it was a winner, if it was a loser. And you would just hand them out throughout the day. And then when somebody won something, you had to get them to pay a deposit of like $100. And I'm like, $100, man? That's so much money. Um, just from a complete I, stranger as well, eh? Exactly. I just, yeah, just gave you that $100, put it in an envelope and said, be here tomorrow at 10 o'clock. You won't meet me. Like, I would be like, that. nah, mate. No. Cool. <laughs> Not going, yeah. So you were selling them, you've got, you've got a free stay, an overnight stay at this big fancy hotel, even for just going for the sit down and that. So that was just so awkward. Like even at one point, this woman walked by and was like, eh, oh, I've had these before. Can I get another one? And I'm like, yeah, if you want. Like, yeah. Knowing like, there's a wee loser. <laughs> I've never won this. I've never won. Like, 
all right, and then this family coming up, I'm like, how do I, what do I do here? Like, I just, the, the, my conscience knowing that I'm swindling people, that I'm manipulating people, going, that's a winner, you can take that and go, well, why don't you come to this? I just didn't feel so uncomfortable. Two days, never again, man. Didn't go back. Yeah. That's a, that's a tough gig. That is a real tough gig. But it's funny you should say that about manipulating. You know, I think people, you know, throughout, we've sit, we kind of touched on it early on, but people throughout history, you know, like of the Wolf of Wall Street and, you know, other, other people who have been charismatic and have used it in a bad way, but at the same time, it can be used in a, in a good way. And there was people there who probably didn't, you were smashing it, you know, selling timeshares to, you know. <laughs> there was people doing that, aye, aye. I've actually, oh, no, it's just not for me. I just remembered, Kenny, you, you'll probably remember this. Um, I might have told a wee bit of a lie there because I think my most uncomfortable moment, I, when I finished college, I did a job in JD Sports, right, part-time, just like whatever. Um, I went to college and then I left college and I went for a job interview. And it was a sales, it was like a sales person, a sales assistant or whatever. Um, it was for a company called G10 Global, all right? So basically what it was, um, they did loads of different campaigns, but you didn't get paid. It was commission only. It was one of these sort of jobs. Um, so the campaign that I was working on was, um, there was a there was a kind of, what do you call it? Like a beauty, kind of parlor, beauty salon in City Nook Square in Glasgow, City Centre. Yeah. And uh, we had to sell these like certificates. And it was basically like a pamper day for, for people to go. Um, and it was 30 quid, right? And they would go there and get their hair, their makeup done, and then have a photo shoot. And the way they made the money was they sold the photos, obviously, to these people. But I remember, so I, I remember uh, getting the job. I went in for an interview, and the guy, George, his name was, offered me a job like there and then. And I was like, my God, I've, this is my first kind of big job. Do you know what I mean? And then they said, oh, you know, what's the pay? Oh, it's commission. And I was like, all right, okay. Like, I was only 18 or something at the time. So I was like, right, brilliant. But I remember the first day, like, see, trying to approach somebody on a street on a Gale Street in Glasgow City Centre on a Saturday. Aye. That was fucking petrifying. Like, I've never been so scared in my life. <laughs> Especially <laughs> Glasgow, man. But, but see, see, be fair, I've said it, I say it to this day, it's probably one of the most important jobs or the most important things I've ever done because that was a that was a real tipping point for me. See, when you're saying, Kenny, like you went to college and became a different person, uh-huh. I was able to, I didn't feel uncomfortable speaking to random people. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why I ended up in sales as well, because I, I, I quite enjoy speaking to people, like people mm-hmm. I've met before and whatever, but that, that, was, that was petrifying, like so, so terrifying. Yeah, I mean, I take my hat off to you, Gavin. I mean, that's a serious... Thing. <laughs> you can, I mean, you're better than me. But, you know, it's so interesting, the lessons that you would have learned about people, about, and you would have even gotten, like, you both of you would have gotten you a little bit of patter, you know, this works, and you know, yeah. if I say this, it won't work. And so you end up kind of devising this little kind of system in your own head naturally. And so what I try to say is like, why can you not use that same system when you're meeting people in a social life? Or why can you not meet it in a job interview? You know, it's the same, it's the same environment, you know, it's interesting. It's funny when you say that. Formula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny when you say, because like, I remember uh, in that job specifically, like having different pitches to different types of people. So I'd have like, you know, maybe a, a kind of older woman, maybe like in her 60s or whatever, and I'm getting up and saying, oh, you know, where did she get her hair done? And she's like, <laughs> what? And I'm like, oh, no, it looks beautiful, but where did she get it done? And I'll oh. tell you why. And then, so get into these, and then if you had like a young girl, uh, maybe in her 20s or something, or similar ages to meet the time, you're getting in with a bit of a flirtatious approach. And you're, mm. and if it's a guy, you're like, oh, you know, 
which you she's, she's getting her done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's great what you've done there, Gavin, because you've actually tapped into something that we, we actually even talk about, just naturally, just through your own sort of way of doing it. And it's about conversation starters. Some, that's sometimes the hardest bit is what do I say to someone when I first meet them? And what you've just done there is what we call a compliment with a cold read. And so that's when you say something nice about someone and then follow it up with a, an assumption. And to be fair, the assumption doesn't really matter as a, as a proper thing, just to get them talking. Because if you start off a conversation with, hey, how are you? What'd you do for a living? It's no releasing the dopamine. Whereas mm -hmm. the things that you were doing was taking people back because they've not heard it before. Mm -hmm. And if they've not heard it before, it's different. And if it's different, you've got a better chance of releasing that dopamine. So for example, if you were to say something like, oh, you've got you know, great style, you. Do you work in fashion? And then they'll go, oh, no, no, sorry. I don't work in, I work in marketing or I work in finance or whatever. Or you can go up to someone and say, you know, you look really athletic. Do you, you go, do you play sport? Do you play the, go to the gym? And they go, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't go to the gym. I play football on a Friday. And then you can start talking to them about that. And then you can see that's a little bit of a passion there. So what you were doing was pure natural instinct. And that's always a good way to try and kickstart a conversation. If you don't know what to say, that's a really good way to start. Open-ended questions and stuff like that. Like, open questions. Aye, if something's open-ended, I go, excuse me, have you got a minute? No, mm. I've no. See you later. <laughs> Yeah, cheers, bye, bang that. Bye. They actually did bye. a study on uh, Tinder, Tinder openers, and they said the ones that always work the best. So you need to tell us some stories about that. Right, there's, some, there's stuff on your uh, stuff on your website about that as well, isn't there? Not so much about Tinder yeah, yeah, openers, but there's... Yeah, 100%. I mean, it's, it's fascinating because irrelevant of what we kind of touch on the three pillars, that charisma can bleed into your professional and your personal life. So whether it's your career, whether it's your you know personal life, like a social life, or if it's like, you know, girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever it could be, it's, it's relatively all the same. The only difference is that you might have to tailor it to the situation and the person. Uh, but Tinder openers, the, the, the research that they found was the fact is that words like, hey, were the worst, as you could imagine. Mm. And words that open up with questions and things about them. Even phrases like, how's your day been going? were better than everything. They were just the best to get response from. They weren't the best that resulted in dates. Yeah. Uh, so that's always a really good way to, do, to kind of kickstart something is just get it off with a question, get people talking. So, and if you can get people talking about themselves, that's a really good point. Right. Are you going to say for a recent? Oh, no, I was going to say, so, so what is the, the Art of Charisma website? So it says you do everything. With regards to like from companies to persons to you know, groups like yeah is it in everything is, is charisma everyday life is it something that's you need is it something that people either have like saying it's, it's a skill it's a skill but is there a way that you know are some people either going to get it or not get it that's kind of what i'm getting at there you're either going to learn it or not learn it you know some people yeah. just kind of get their head around things or are you very confident in being able to bring somebody around and coach them to be charismatic. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about a hundred different ways of what charisma means to different people and how we can identify it in different people. But I'm going to boil it down to you. This is the 100% of what you need to be to be charismatic. And this is what we teach. The Art of Charisma program is literally just six modules. And all right, if you become excellent at a, a particular module, you'll be brilliant at that particular area. However, when you put it all together, that's when the magic really starts happening. So the modules go as follows. It's a first impression. 
So Gavin, when you were talking earlier on about having to walk up to someone, you know, the success you would have had is how do you make a really good first impression? Mm-hmm. And you know, when you're in a job interview, when you first meet someone, they'll 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 just instantly see you and go, right, what, how do I think of this person? Because humans like it or loathe it, we do judge people, and within the first couple of seconds, it is crucial. Now, that's not something to be intimidated by. It's actually something that you can hack to make a really killer first impression. It's also, next module, is having a great conversation with someone. So how do you get someone opening up? How do you get the chat going? And that could be, we don't talk about small talk. We try to avoid small talk, but we call it big talk. How do you get to those <laughs> topics that get people excited, get their juices flowing? And whether it's about the football or about their passion projects, how do you get onto that there? The next bit is telling an amazing story. What makes a good story? How do you make a story out of nothing? Like out of just going to the shops? How do you do that? And how do you really captivate someone so that they'll listen to you? Sir Alex Ferguson, always good. He probably told great stories in the dressing room. The next one is magnetic presence. How do you create a presence that when you walk in, people go, that's the geezer that I want. (laughs) Whatever it is, I don't know what it is about him or her or whoever, that's the person we want. And the last two are confidence, which we've talked a little bit about confidence and leadership. Now, all those put together create a charisma aura. Now, it doesn't matter, as we talked about before, if you're extroverted, of course, you can you know, be a good leader, which sometimes is associated with it, but you can be a great leader if you're an introvert. And you can be a great, have great conversations if you're extroverted or introverted. It doesn't matter. But it's when you put those all together, that's when it's good. And it can be applied in different situations, as you were saying, Kenny. You know, whether you're in a business, you're going to need to build a relationship. If you're a manager of a gym, for example, you know, how are you going to get a team to put in the extra hours to really work for you? You're going to have to build a great relationship and they're going to need to like you at the end of the day. How are you going to make clients part with cold, hard cash, like in Gavin's job? How are you going to do, they're going to do it if they like you? If you don't like you, Jog on, pal. You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's what it is. And then how are you going to make a social circle, which ultimately might lead to a potential partner or that you can build a, a support network? They're going to want to like you. You know, they're going to have to enjoy your company, enjoy what you have to bring, come to the table with. And so yeah. that is all it. So yes, it might seem like we do a bit of this and a bit of that, a bit of everything. However, the principles can apply across, you know, the, the whole mm-hmm. spectrum. So it's a lot, there's a lot there. However, if you can just tap into a few bits, you can, you know, the world's your oyster. Uh, and see, see is that like <laughs> natural charm, employability, increased confidence, communication, relationship building and leadership. Mm. Do you think you have it all? No, I'm constantly working in it all. I'm constantly working <laughs> it all. I think you've got it all, mate. Ah, he has, he has. Of course he has, Gav, man. But, but you, can tell, you can tell when you see when somebody speaks and... Um, and, and, so, and everyone listens. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. I think that's a, that's a, a, an art in itself because when you're speaking, like, I'm brutally honest, I'm normally on this on the podcast. You're, you're kind of thinking, right? I'm listening, obviously, but I'm kind of thinking what I'm going to say next, and I'm thinking down the line. Kenny's the same. But when you're speaking there, I, I was like, what is the next? Bit? <laughs> what is the next module? I wasn't even thinking about it. I just, <laughs> just talk rubbish. Is that you? I just don't know. No, so I was actually, I was actually endorsing in what you were saying. Right. Do you know what I mean? It was, it was because you're speaking sense and it's, it's true. So normally, as I say, I would normally be thinking ahead, but I, I didn't. I was sitting just listening to what yeah, you were enjoying saying. Enjoying the moment. Enjoying I, the moment. Absolutely. And you touched on it earlier on, Kenny, about mindset. 
about yeah. mindset, how you, how you get, and that does play a lot into the, the charisma. For example, a great, and I've touched a bit on this on my social media about people who find themselves like a little bit, I'm going to say it, people who find themselves boring and we'll know people in our own lives who deem themselves boring or who we think are boring. And the best way to kind of get rid of that if you feel like I haven't got anything good to talk about or I don't, tell, I don't have any good stories or, you know, all those sort of things that some people do doubt themselves in, the best thing to do is to just put yourself out there a little bit more. And what I mean by that is do things for the story. Do things for the story. And that's the advice I like to give a lot of people. So, for example, if you go to a restaurant and it turns out to be bad, don't tie yourself up into thinking, oh, my God, this is going to be awful. You know, just go. Because in which case, when you go back into work on Monday and they say, what did you get up to the weekend? You can say, oh, my God, I went to this restaurant. It was awful. It was this. It was that. And you've at least got something to talk about and people can pick up from there. So when I see people who are boring, they're not really boring. They're just a bit lazy. They're not going out there. They're not doing stuff. They're not signing up to stuff. And that's, yeah. the, that's really the crux of it. And that's really where it begins. The other side of it is about giving more ammunition than you really need. So for example, 100% will happen. You'll be, meet someone for the first time and they'll say, what do you do for a living? Now, you could quite easily say, I work in sales. And that is 100% true. However, you're not giving the other person a whole lot to go off of there. Mm -hmm. You're not really giving it. So when we say about ammunition, apologies, I played too many video games growing up. So I talk about like Call of Duty. Spreading as much ammunition as possible. (laughs) Think of it like that way. So when someone says, what do you do for a living? You can say, I work in sales at a gym in Glasgow. And then they've got several things there to talk to you. They go, oh, whereabouts in Glasgow? Or Jim, oh, I'm awful at going to the gym. You need to go more off. How long have you been working there? You know, and so much there to go off of to kickstart a conversation. You know, so there's, there's, there's plenty of techniques to do to go in there, whether it's a, you know, meeting a girl, trying to build up a social life or get a job. It's all going to be applied in the same situation. It's so true. Yeah, so true. It's flow, and it? it's to keep the conversation flowing. It's, it's mm-hmm. not just like, like being charismatic, it's just having questions on questions, like you said, having ammunition. Absolutely. No, and one of the good ways to do that, if you ever get into an awkward silence, this is a perfect thing to do. So I it's address an awkward silence. I say, <laughs> I just address an awkward silence. Go, this is getting awkward. Like, <laughs> and people laugh. See, it's diffused. There you go. Stop being awkward. Talk. <laughs> I love that. I, I think I need to keep that one. Just definitely, just, just address it. it. There it is. Uh-huh. Um, but one of the great ways that if you sometimes get a bit uncomfortable in awkward situations, or you find that you need to fill the the silence with something, it's always a great way to use the phrase "this reminds me of." So this reminds me oh. of. So, for example, if you're in a restaurant and there's a song playing. You know, you can pick up on that and say, you know, this reminds me of a time oh, right. and then tell the story. Or you could be, like, you know, sitting on a hill looking at, you know, Glasgow and you can go, you know, looking at this reminds me of a time when I, and then start off telling a story that way. Aye. And it's just a little phrase that you can use just to try and never have an awkward silence. If you don't or you could just say, this is awkward as hell. <laughs> 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 that is scary. That honestly, like, obviously speaking for, for you, Kenny, like that is scary. Uh-huh. And that's why, but, Kenny's probably one of the most likable people, and I'm not just saying it's because he's here and he's my yes, mate, right? Yes, he is saying that. He's one, of, <laughs> he's one of the most likable people because you can't even like him because of how honest he is. <laughs> like, see the other day, right? Give an example, Kenny. I don't know if you picked up, if you know I picked up on this, but Kenny was coming into work and he messaged me and he says, I'm just coming in. Do you want to pop down? He says, Right, okay. So I walked down the stair 
I get to Kenny's car. And he's like, "Fucking hell, Gavin! You have been drinking red wine. Your teeth are pure. <laughs> your teeth are pure." Oh. And I was like, "Only, only Kenny could say that." Do you know what I mean? Because oh. he's just. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't mean it to be cheeky. Role. I was. Just I know. Saying no, like, I know that. Aye, aye, that's fine. Gee, I can't believe I earned this out in the, on the podcast. <laughs> One of the things I think is Kenny got, and you've got it as well, Gavin, is authenticity, being genuine, being authentic. Because similar to like pointing out we can tell when someone's being charismatic, we can also yeah. tell when someone's being inauthentic and being disingenuous. So I think, you know, trying to be as genuine as possible is uh-huh. really, really important. And how do you be authentic? Well, you stick to your opinions. You don't, you know, just say what you like if you don't like it. Don't be afraid to sometimes voice your opinion because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if it goes one way or the other. You've got something to talk about, it doesn't it? I think that's really uh-huh. uh-huh. that's, what I, that's what I find, like, I'm shite at lying now. Like, just, just, just be honest. Just, <laughs> yeah. You know, Kenny, if you, you said that, I probably did die. You're right. Sorry. Mate. <laughs> no, 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 but I don't, I don't take offence to it. I, no, it was, I know, I know. Like, when you said it, I was actually chuckling inside because I'm like, ah, fuck, that's typical Kenny. Like, you would just ah, say things. Like, oh, that's nice. That's nice that <laughs> you fought it like that. <laughs> it made me think, that it made me think I need a, a bottle of wine. That I think red wine in ages. <laughs> what have you said, Sebastian? I was going to say, it just ties back into the very beginning about what you were saying about a large proportion of your audience is English. And I think that uh-huh. Scottish people have a great sense of humour, a great way of being on. Yeah. Authentic. And I think that's one of the reasons why when you go around the world, people say, Oh, I know a Scottish guy. When you're traveling, they go, Oh, I know a Scottish guy, he's a legend. And Scottish people have this innate, almost natural ability to be charismatic. Uh, you know, you kind of see it bobbing around and you know, I apologize, I'm gonna probably just like alienate half your audience, but you know, southern English people do have a tendency to be, you know, infamously uncharismatic. Yeah. And then northerners of England tend to be famously charismatic, and Scottish people and Irish people, they just have this natural charm about them. Hundred percent. Uh, uh, especially the Irish. Oh, I'll just like an Irish person. Is. I, I don't know just when Irish. you hear them speak, first of all, their accents are just uh, great. But I was going to, I was going to say there, Kenny. Like I spoke about this to the, the Guinness guru that we had on previously as well, and I told the story about being in Ireland, and I thought people were being rude, but they weren't being rude. So basically, I was in a, I was in a bar, I was in a uh, kind of nightclub pub thing, uh, and I was sitting. And in Glasgow, if somebody walked over right and put their jacket over your chair with your jacket on it, you're thinking. What the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> so, so I, in, in Dublin, this guy walked over and I was with my pal and he put the jacket over my jacket, but it wasn't even like a back, it was like over the seat. And I kind of looked at him and I was like, You're right. And he was like, How are you doing, mate? And I just started talking away. And I was like, they, They're not being rude, they just don't really take themselves too seriously and they're so out there and they're brilliant. And I, I know what you're saying when you say like Southern England, I get it because. Like, quite a lot of people speak about going down to London or whatever and, like, smiling at people. How you make a, an English person feel awkward is you just smile at them. Because they, <laughs> you know, but that's, that's that. I'm not saying it's true, but that is the kind of general feeling about it. So it's, uh, it's definitely true. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's so interesting when you go around the world in different places, even in different occupations, you know, people who are in one occupation, like sales, notoriously, people... Uh-huh people uh but then you might go into it and famous famously infamously even sorry unpeople people not saying that's true mm-hmm. but yeah. it's just interesting that you kind of different things and it's sometimes it's about identifying the personality like what type of personality is this person and how can i you know you know match or kind of get them and um, uh-huh. you know sales people yeah. are notoriously like out there loud 
bish bosh bash, don't need to think about it, let's just get the job done. And then we do not really like people who are quite analytical, people who are quite, you know, like the finer detail because we're just like, bish bosh bash, come on, let's get it done, let's get it out there. Where they're like, no, no, wait, patience, let's have a look, let's see what it is. Understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the good thing is that when you can see that, then you can go, ah, so this person isn't really a dickhead. They're just a, a personality type that I need to sort of match with. They're not really being somebody who's like being awkward or difficult. They're just actually just a bit of a personality clash. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I went oh, to, sorry, I was just going to say, do you do like events in the public speaking, Sebastian? Or? No, actually, funny story, I've never actually done any public speaking or, or, or any sort of like um, events. I used to run some workshops with like small groups where we would cover like charisma, try and get a little bit of question answer, how they can help each other, try and build up a little bit of a support network. We do offer like coaching, training sessions and things like that, but never any public speaking, but I would never like diss mm-hmm. it out to be, to be honest with you, but I don't know who would be wanting to listen to me for ages <laughs> to be honest with you, rambling on to be to be fair. Many, many, many people. Hopefully loads yeah. of people in this. Just when it's in yeah. the website, you'd worked with like, your clients for Mercedes, Adidas, Vodafone and Boots. I was like, maybe he's done not so much public speaking, like you say, like small groups and events and stuff like that. Like, that's a very good CV, man. I would yeah. imagine, is that, Sebastian, sorry for putting in there, um, is that more like, if take, say for example, a sales team? Do you think like Mercedes or Adidas are saying, you know, your sales team maybe have a have a, a group session with Sebastian to try and help them become more kind of charismatic and confident mm-hmm. and whatever. Yeah, it was interesting with Adidas, to be honest with you. Um, so I've worked with a, a numbers of different like household name, uh, Boots, Vodafone, Adidas, as you've mentioned there. Uh, we're on the framework for the Department of Work and Pensions, so the Job Centre. Um, I've also worked with the formerly incarcerated, I've worked with unemployed, um, complete cross-section of, of, of people with different backgrounds. Sales people naturally know what they're doing and what's going on. So the areas that I always like try to implement sort of techniques and advantage to is actually sometimes not the like the sales people, the, the, the obvious ones. It's sometimes HR, it's IT, it's people who struggle with you know communication, communicating. Yeah. And then on the top, top, top level, you know, I work with CEOs and managers because managers are sometimes that nice little middle ground where they get on really well with maybe one or two members of staff and they get on really well with like upper management and clients because upper managers, they're just interested in the facts and figures, how much you sold, how much you've done this, how much you've you done all that. Brilliant. I'll see you next week then. Uh-huh. Your Wi-Fi's went. Sebastian, come back. We're getting to the good bit. <laughs> Kenny, Kenny, I've, just paused, I've just paused it. I'll pause it. As well. Yeah, yeah, crack on. Go. I says. So managers, managers have been sort of my bread and butter, that sort of middle level, because managers get on really well with, you know, CEOs and, and all that sort of jazz. People above them because <laughs> people above them are really interested in facts and figures. Like you can deliver that, then you can, you know, you're, you're on good side of them. And they might have a couple of pals underneath them, you know, the junior members of staff and things like that. But outside of the Monday morning, what did you get up to the weekend? All right, okay, that's interesting. Did you watch the football? Brilliant. Yeah, me too. Outside of that, they'll always wonder why they're not getting people to put in an extra hour here and there. They'll always wonder why, you know, they're kind of always a bit short on target, why people are not motivated, how people are not working. 
It's the past these internet connections. Not playing the game, is <laughs> it, man? Away. He's away. Is it away? No. No, oh, he's, he's back. back. He's, oh, back. Still back. he's back. He's back. Calm down, Gavin, man. You're so, you're so dismissive um, there. That, back, was, that yeah. was unbelievable, man. <laughs> faith, your faith in the internet connection of Alwa is absolutely yeah. disgraceful. So, 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 uh, <laughs> um, oh, God. Don't worry, Gavin. It's fine. I'm still here. It's probably just me talking too much. <laughs> I, I imagine that like, your internet connection yeah. can't keep up with the speed that you talk at, like, like that. Something's going on in Allah, like there's so much talking going on. <laughs> so do you, do you actually still live in Allah? Are you in Edinburgh now? Yeah, I'm the only person with internet connection in Allah. I'm the only person with internet connection. <laughs> right, well, uh, Sebastian, I've, I've got one question that we ask all our guests, right? But yeah, yeah. Just, bef- just before we do it, Kenny... Is there anything else you kind of want to speak about? I was thinking this today. Um, we're going to start asking everybody this, all, this question also. We should probably put it in before, like, you know, because the most interesting question is the last question. Uh-huh. We should probably put this, because this is quite an interesting question. Anyway, Sebastian, you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Yes. Okay. What is your guilty pleasure? Oh, oh, God, guilty pleasure. Can, can I be honest with you? Be oh, totally that's what we're looking for. We're looking for honesty. <laughs> can I be, can I be brutal? Oh, be brutally be honest. honest. Brutally honest. A guilty pleasure is at three in the morning, J-Lo, Jenny from the Block, when that comes on, that is my tune and I get on a dance floor <laughs> and I cut shapes like nobody has ever cut shapes before. And I'm embarrassed to admit it, but that tune is literally my life and blood flow. And I changed Jenny to Sebi because I think I'm cool at that way. I think I'm Sebi from the block. People are looking at me going, oh, you mad man, you utter mentalist. Uh, a different zone at the moment. I'm on a different planet here. I'm just loving my... So my daily pleasure is loving really cheesy 90s hits. And just dance. Oh, Jenny for the block was not nineties. Definitely well, just not, man. Well, early early noughties. <laughs> I, 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 I just I right, right, Gav, you you charge on the last question. I need to find out what you're No, you no, no. Up, man. I want to hear your guilty pleasure, Kenny, because you <laughs> you asked oh, I, I came up with what is my guilty pleasure? No, you need to bring the spot. <laughs> I I wish we'd two thousand and two, you're close to the nineties, There you go, eh? Um Oh, Gav, man, we shouldn't have came to this. We shouldn't have done it. Secret eating, man. I just love a chippy every now and then. I just love just coming home from work at Daft O'Clock and going, oh, I need a chippy, man. Just eating, eating. Yeah. That's probably the pleasure, man. You were going to say like a wee afternoon beer because sometimes you'll message oh, it. Oh, like definitely. Aye. No, aye. Right, well, that is well. Like, sometimes <laughs> I, could, I could definitely go a beer at like, 11. Like, aye. Because, you know, lockdown, that's probably... Absolutely, it helped, it's encouraged that habit. But at what point does it not become a guilty pleasure when you date that often? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, you know, and oh God, a beer, a beer at uh, midday lunch, yeah, yeah, it's a tasty, tasty treat, isn't it? There you go, oh, Gav. Guilty pleasure, you obviously had a couple of minutes to think about it, so. I've had a couple of minutes, but it's not helped because I've been no. thinking about asking you. Uh, people always think like uh, TV shows. I always think like people will go, oh, I love X Factor or oh, I love this thing on that. Uh, I really should. You know, whatever. You know, I'll, I'll see it to see if Paula listens to this, right? She's been itching for months to watch Desperate Housewives. <laughs> so. <laughs> 
<laughs> we've started watching this Crow's Wives and we're about seven episodes in and I'm like that's just no bad by the way <laughs> so that, that might be one as well that's a guilty pleasure Kenny that wins it I'd probably say mine is like a a really cheesy sort of like rom-com type type of film no okay. that's shite no <laughs> hey Kenny doesn't matter what you think that's my guilty oh. pleasure are you okay Okay. <laughs> see, I sometimes you get pure into it, or maybe not so much a, a rom com, but see, like a, a film like Marley and Me, right? I, I'm not afraid to admit it. I, I fucking bawled my eyes out. Aye, Toy Story three and all that. Oh, Toy Story. Oh, Sebastian, my wee girl loves the Toy Stories. Unbelievable, man! I have been in tears for Toy Story two, tears three, tears four. <laughs> Tears. Three <laughs> more so than most. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's a rough ride, man. Tough. Yeah, no, no, I, I get that. Guilty pleasure is such a such a funny one, man. People people don't admit it, but I think people should embrace it. Like I think it's just oh, interesting. Definitely. Oh, it's probably. Like, there's a, there's a good uh, absolute chat. Opening line. Yeah. Uh, should guilty pleasure. <laughs> but then people that could go, be, a, that could be oh. a bit saucy. I thought, oh, how saucy we going here? You know, <laughs> me asking, don't want to get the answer. Aye, aye, aye. Well, you give a crack here, that's a Beltane answer though. Beltane. Right, so we've had Jerry from the block, we've had Kenny and his Desperate Housewives, and we've had rom-coms, teary rom-coms. Mm. Uh, but I so, Sebastian... What about John, the, John Tucker's Must Die, Gav? Do you like that? Do you feel like that? I don't think I've seen it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. Right, last question. Last right, Sebastian, so we, we, we asked all guests this question. Um, so, yeah, here it is. So if you could have one drink, and one drink only, what would you have and who would it be with? Oh, great question. So one drink with one famous, and is it a famous, or is it someone dead or alive or? Anybody, yeah. anybody you want, dead or famous. alive, famous or infamous. Famous matter. or infamous, okay. Um, this is gonna be completely against the grain and not, no charisma aspect to it whatsoever. <laughs> But, that's what you do. But, you you go against the grain. So that's, I know, man. But uh, just to, uh, I've already got my, my my famous person in my head. I'm just right. trying to think of my drink at the moment. Right. So controversially, the famous person I would love to have a drink with is Pablo Escobar. Wow. Oh, good yeah, one. Pablo he's, he's got charisma ripping at him, as you know. He's just, a, I just, I, you know, I just these sort of kingpins, these sort of, you know, um, uh-huh. kingpins, you know, like uh, Al Pacho, Al Pachon, Al Capone, Al Capone. Al Capone. That's it. You know, Pablo Escobar, El Chapo, these are guys that people have idolized, people still love them. And just yeah. to you know, sit down and go, what was going through your mind at this, that, and next thing? And just to find mm-hmm. out what was going on. And you know what? I probably would have probably a gin and tonic with them. You know, yes. uh, you keep, it, keep it old school, man. Keep it old school. But Pablo Escobar, just, you know, fascinating. I want to know if all the stories are true, if all the TV shows that are written about him are true. Uh, burning millions of dollars them. in the woods. and Yeah, uh, man. I won't motivate him because I think if you're, if you're that successful, I'm sure if he put his mind to, to anything, you know, whether it was selling cars, selling drugs, or, you know, selling property, or whatever it could have been, he would have been successful at that, whatever, yeah. because he, he just had it in his, in his DNA. So I was just really curious about, about him. So that'd be, that would definitely be my one. That was a great sitting answer. Sitting with Pablo Escobar, Vegin and Tonic. I don't know how he's going to feel about that, man. Like, I know, I know. <laughs> That's probably a bit it's of a your, point, to be honest. It's your question, so yeah, he's got to know. He needs to do it, so that's cool. Colombia, is it a, a rum and coke, isn't it? Is that Must a, be something like that. I'll go with that. Get a bit exotic. 
<laughs> I couldn't ask him for attendance, could I? I couldn't say right. Oh, nah, exactly, you're right. You're so right, man. Yeah. You're right. Mate. How about yourselves, guys? What, what's who's the famous person uh, you think with for? It is a good one. Oh, no, I feel I want to be, be famous. I want to have a famous person. Right, I'm going to change mine as well, actually. Aye, aye, aye. Greg, you go first. You've had more chance. Here you go. I would have uh, whiskey with Matthew McConaughey. Oh, I fucking oh, love him. Easy days, eh? I was, I was, I was, I was gutter man. I'll talk about it earlier. What would you ask Matthew McConaughey, Gaff? What would you ask him? I, I wouldn't want to ask him specific questions. I just love to just, chat. Just I love his voice. His aye. voice is just, like, he, he's got a new book out called The Green Lights. And uh, I looked it up last night, and he's, he's got an audiobook version, and it's him speaking. And I was like, "Oh, I need, I need to get this. That will send me to sleep." Have you got Audible, Gav? Have you got Audible already? No, but I'm going to get it. No, that, no, that I'm, a, I, I'm not a salesman for it. But if you when you sign up for it, yeah, you, you get one free audiobook. Oh, there we go. I was saying, Gavin's already torrented it. He's already. I, <laughs> I, I, I thought I thought Kenny was going to say, "Oh, if you sign up, I get five pound free." <laughs> Use code Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh man, there's so many people I would like to just sit and just just chill with, but like, uh, just for being grown up and stuff like that. I think like um, Eminem would probably be like my pure favourite. Oh. Just just for pure nostalgia, I mean. like, just that's why I pure love growing up and stuff. I pure love listening to Eminem just to see like, was it real? Like, did you really stay in a wee trailer <laughs> part? Like, or was this a character that was created to sell to the world? Like, mm. hi, what would I have? Um, just, to, just to, like motivate them, man, because you know he's completely aye. changed from like being super outlandish to like being <laughs> relatively reserved Humble. again. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. And aye. so, like, what was go- was that calculated, aye. or was that just you going so that this is you know, enough's enough? Aye, yeah, chill yeah, yeah. out, man. Just enjoy life. But he's weak. his girl Haley. She's doing really well for herself now. Like she, she's sure? a lot of work. Aye, but uh, what would the drink? having a pint, man. Just have a me yeah. and him. Pint Pint of shit, man. Just whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he's he's, uh, he's gone sober, so he might uh, he might just like so oh, I'll break it for you, Kenny. I'll break it for you. Aye, so so I love brew dog. So me and me and him will have a, a pint of Elvis juice then. Both yeah, nice, nice, nice. Love it. Love it. Um, but but aye, Sebastian, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. You're a cracking talker. Aye, aye, um, you're obviously good at what you do. Um, if anyone is is looking for any sort of training or how they can improve themselves yeah, in that line, then. Yes, just head across to yourself. So we can find you um, on pretty much everything, the art of charisma. Yeah, but you know what? I'll say this to, to anyone who's listening. Like, whether you're interested in training or coaching, whatever, or even if you've just got a question about a social situation that you were in that you, you just need help with, ping me an email. It's artofcharisma at outlook.com. Anything. Weird and wonderful. I hope I don't get sent a load of nudes. Are you doing soul of that, wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, but if you've just got a question about something social or about something whatever, ping over to me, I'll answer it for you. Brilliant. Also, yeah, man, yeah. that's a brush. Brilliant. Brilliant. Right, well, episode thingy, my bother. Right, episode 36. 36. <laughs> 36. <laughs> Easy. Done and dusty, guys. See, that's how you, you're so responsible adult here, man. Like, uh, <laughs> aye. Thanks very much for your time, Sebastian. Gav, well, pleasure as always. Speak to you soon, man. Take care. Bye bye. Thanks, guys. Catch you.